I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello and a very warm welcome to Barangaroo Studios. I'm Amber Sherlock and this is The Call. Ten stocks picked by you, two experts and one hour. Our two experts on today's show here for the full hour joining me, Claude Walker from A Rich Life and Mark Gardner from Macro Capital. Thank you both for joining me today. Good afternoon. Let's take a look at the first five stocks of the day. Today we'll be talking about Supply Network, News Corporation, Boral, 4D Medical, and AV Jennings. But before we do that, we're gonna take a look at the stock of the day. Now today it's Avita Medical. And Avita Medical today announced FDA approval of resell for the treatment of full thickness skin defects. Avita Medical CEO Jim Corbett calls it an inflection point for the company. Sort of things that can now treat include wound injuries and treatment after skin cancers have been removed. Now, since that announcement, the company's share price has gone up by 3.16%. Look, this is huge news for Avita. Mark, what are your thoughts on this stock? A buy, hold or a sell? Uh, I certainly like the space. It's pretty similar to, um, there's another one in the space, Polynovo, which we, uh, we're quite a fan of. Um, and just from the, uh, on the basis that I've uh, got a couple of surgeon clients who are Pretty big fans of uh, Polynobo in particular. So we, we've tended to be a little bit more active in that. It's quite volatile, um, like, um, like Avita is as well. But the, um, they're both, uh, both companies are sort of going towards that soft tissue market because the addressable market is, is about five times larger, essentially. So they're, they're both they're pretty similar but different products. But the spray on skin, obviously, with the burns victim um, treatments is uh, is obviously is a much smaller addressable market. But moving to these soft tissue, they're um, you know we, you go from you know three hundred odd surgeons being your your, uh, your addressable market to two thousand, um, you know, in, well, particularly in Australia, and and obviously that means you get economies of scale with your yeah. sales team, etc. So um, so it's a really positive thing. Um, one thing I would say, like it had a really large spike, um, I think from about $3.40 up to around this $4.80 mark um, in the last sort of couple of weeks. So, but sort of, I guess, it, like the mining, the miners, they, you find a great resource, but then obviously you've, you've then got to hire people, build a, you know, you know, build a mine and things like that. So. I'd be a little bit wary of it coming back off just because we've probably had the, um, the it's been well telegraphed. We've had the um, euphoria about the announcement, but I would say, you know, they, they will probably lag or fall back to the pack a little bit as, you know, the, the revenue would disappoint in the next couple of reporting uh, quarters. Um, but I think long term, you probably want to be buying on a dip on this one um, overall. Same with Polynovo. Um, they had record. They had a record sales yesterday, um, or sorry, two days ago of seven million and a quarter, um, and I think they, you know, they were bragging about five million at the start of this financial year. So they're and they're expanding into Asia and into Europe. Uh, these guys will probably follow a fairly similar pattern. Um, and both have got pretty decent management teams as well. So look, either or or, or both, to be honest, um, I think they're uh, you know they've got high prospects. And even in a recessionary um, style uh, market environment, 
Um, biotechs that are about to go cash flow positive or that you know that are do actually do really well as defensive. Um, so they're probably yeah, they're probably two fairly all weather picks as well. But, um, but you know, and they will just gradually improve over the next year or so. Uh, Claude, do you agree with Mark's comments? I'm probably a little bit more positive on Avita than Mark is. I think that. Uh, Polynova is probably the product that is talked of a little bit better and maybe growing faster, a little bit of a better track record there. So no argument on that aspect of yep. what Mark was saying. But I do think that this uh, you know, FDA approval, this is going to allow that growth runway that Avita is on to sort of keep going. So they'll have to deliver on that, of course, and there is the room for disappointment. Uh, they have, I think, a bit over 70 million US in cash at the moment. and. Uh, they're still cash flow negative. So I think a net loss of 9 million in the last quarter. So I see Avita as a little bit risky because uh, as Mark was saying, you know, the biotechs that are cash flow positive or about to be can be safer, but I don't necessarily think these guys are quite there yet. So for, for me on a fundamental basis, it's a little bit too early, but if you were, if you wanted to be like a bit more aggressive uh, and take a little bit more risk on that. I do actually think this is one that will make it in the end. Uh, so I would probably, I'm kind of positive on it, but at the same time, there's a problem of time frames because in the, you know, at the moment we're still in an environment where inflation's running hot and which means that people are constantly increasing their targets for where they think interest rates will be. And that generally has a negative effect on the kind of companies that aren't yet profitable and, and they're priced for a lot of growth. So. That's a bit of a headwind for these guys. In the long term, if we look out five years, I would be surprised if the share price is not higher than it is today, but it just could be a volatile, bumpy ride. So maybe a buy? A, a speculative buy for okay. the long term uh, is, the, is what I'd give it, basically. <laughs> okay, I'll put that down. <laughs> yeah. So you both sort of in agree. Well, I don't own it myself for the reasons that I just said, that I think it's still a bumpy road. Yeah. And you know, for my own personal portfolio, I would definitely keep that skewed towards profitable companies yeah. versus unprofitable companies. Okay, great. Well, that was our stock of the day. Let's get right into our top 10 stocks. And our first stock is picked by Peter, and it is Supply Network. Now, Supply Network operates under the multi-spares brand right across Australia and New Zealand with a broad definition of replacement parts for road transport equipment. Now, last week, they provided a trading guidance for the next financial year with sales expected to increase by 26%. Uh, let's go back to Mark. And what do you think, Mark, on this stock? Buy, hold or sell? Um, look, I like this stock absolutely. It's, it's been grinding higher. If you have a look at the one-year chart, it just is just been a you know perennial performer, really. Um, revenues are growing, net mar um, net incomes growing, margins are increasing as well. Um, we're coming into an environment where. Um, yeah, I, I would say with higher interest rates, obviously you you would be far more inclined to be you know replacing parts and keeping your existing equipment going um, going for a longer period of time than, than necessarily buying uh, buying new equipment. So, um, but yeah, they 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 really have just you know, chipped away. Uh, I think um, I believe they've found a you know they've found a lead um, and. Um, they just opened a new distribution um, distribution centre down near uh, Port Melbourne as well. So everything seems to be going definitely in the right direction. Um, probably about fairly priced, uh, but it'd be um, so. I, I definitely a hold for me for sure. Um, erring on the side of buying, um, but it's obviously just it spiked up. You know. I think a couple of weeks ago, um, if you know, I probably would have preferred to have been in it prior to that announcement because they're so consistent and delivering great results. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'm probably not here. It does tend to it does tend to drift off in between um, 
market updates. But um, I'll defer to Claude, who I think knows a little bit more about this one. Claude, talk to us about yeah, supply. Yeah, I would have loved to go first and get a shot to convince Mark to give it a buy. <laughs> Don't worry, well, I'll give him my uh, You try and convince, we'll go yeah, back so to Mark and see if he's changed his this, mind. This is my favourite one of the day. Okay. I, I own shares myself. Mm-hmm. I did buy previously... Uh, a while back at a lower price, but I also bought more recently at around uh, the current price after the most recent update. And my sort of target buy price where I think it really is a good buy that I would, I'd really be happy to make my position significantly larger is a little bit below where we are today, probably mm-hmm. closer to 13, looking for around 20 times earnings as I think a, a good price to buy this. Now we're on 21, 22 or something like that uh, in, in terms of FY 2023 earnings. Now, the reason I like these guys is um, they are, I think they're the category leader in the distribution of um, truck and bus parts. And essentially, if you compare it to, let's say, it's, um, you know, one of its main uh, competitors, uh, which was, used to be called Maxi Trans, maybe Maxi Parts now. And uh, these guys make more revenue per sort of hub in their distribution network. Mm-hmm. And also they've built out more organically. So that's really just choosing the, the best spots to put their distribution centers as part of their overall plan, as opposed to their competitor buying uh, through acquisition, which also means you have to pay for the other, other existing businesses as well. So they've been patient allocators of capital. They are extremely non-promotional like you're going to see their announcements they're just like minimal hey this is what we think we're going to earn that's that's it and yep. then and they'll give you a bit of color maybe at the agm they don't do you know broker calls or not that i know of they don't put out presentations they're not doing you know webinars left front center that c- could be a bad thing but what it does mean is if they ever start doing that kind of stuff i think they're <laughs> going to get more attention okay. you know you've still got that in the bank basically whereas a company that's already gone you know absolutely everywhere telling about how great they are. There's no upside from telling that story anymore. Whereas yep. Supply Network kind of has that upside because they don't tend to sell, tell that story too heavily. They, um, you know, they recently, there are a few quirks with this. They, they set their dividend reinvestment um, plan price quite low at around $11. So I re- reinvested my dividend then because that was quite a, quite a lot below the prevailing share price. And I think that that's a hint that they do need capital. They're a capital intensive business. So now I'm onto the negative. That is the negative. They're a capital intensive business. They um, do need to use retain some of their profits and cash flows in order to continue building out their networks. So that reduces the amount they can pay in a dividend, et cetera. Having said that, it looks like growth at a reasonable price to me, 20 times earnings, you know, go and look at the 10 year profit from these guys, like just beautifully run business where they just try and chip away every year, try and get a little bit better, make a little bit more profit, do a little bit more business, really well run what you'd like to see. So absolute two ticks for management, two ticks for track record, Price, pretty decent in my view, 20 times earnings, 20 something times earnings, 21, 22. And so, you know, that's why I'm very happy to hold this one. Definitely, it's definitely a buy for me. You know, the the price I really wanted is about $13, but I paid a little bit above $14 to to top up recently. And essentially the other thing is, if we go into an inflationary, we're very much in an inflationary, but even if it's stagflation, even if it's recession, all that is an incentive for existing truck and bus companies to continue to use their uh, existing fleet for longer. Mm-hmm. And if they continue to use their existing fleet for longer, then that means they're going to need more parts. Mm-hmm. So that should be a positive for supply network. Now, I'm not saying that that's true and definitely going to happen, but that is my theory that says that this is probably one that I can just hold through the cycle no matter what. And, you know, I tell you what, I have to because it's pretty illiquid and I wouldn't want to be trying to trade in and out of it. 
Okay, I am going to give Mark a reply because Claude was no. very. Has he changed your mind? Uh, I, I agree. Around the thirteen dollar mark, I, I, I sort of look at things in, in ranges of PE, and I was yeah, basically yeah, I'd be having a nibble, you know, somewhere in the mid to high teens in on the PE ratio, um, and it does tend to drift back. And I'm sort of broadly bearish the market, so I do think I'll get an opportunity. But look, if market conditions were different and I thought the broader market was going up, I'd be a buy today. But I, I just think I'll get a, 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 an opportunity uh, on a pullback at this stage. But yeah, high quality business. And I, I really do believe it will be fairly non-cyclical um, because I, I sort of agree with Claude's thesis there that, well, essentially, you, they could end up doing more business because people are buying more spare parts because they, they're sort of trying to maintain an aging fleet rather than just going and buying brand new vehicles where... Obviously, that sort of cuts out these guys a little bit in that initial part because they're not going and servicing with the direct with the manufacturer, which is where they tend to pick up their margin. Um, the manufacturer uh, manufacturers. So yeah, but no, I'm, I'm happy to be patient. At the okay, moment. I hold erring on the side. I of definitely buy. I hold erring on the side of buy for sure. Okay, that's a good one. Okay, let's take a look at our second stock. It is News Corporation. This was picked by Blair. Now, News Corporation uh, reported abysmal earnings, as we know, back in February, and have more recently announced various changes including announcing they're forming an editorial innovation centre, which will be the home of their multimedia content creation and will utilise AI technology. Staff, however, are still fearful of more job losses given the recent environment. Um, I'm going to go to you first. I'll give you first right reply here. Yeah, so <laughs> I think, hold or sell? Uh, probably for me, it's it's either a hold or a sell. Mm -hmm. And the, reason, the main reason for that is like these guys are, you know, they're reducing their headcount, so it's sort of a little bit cost-cutting cost mode. Um, the adjusted revenues uh, were flat, so it's not growing, cost-cutting kind of strategy, which is not generally where I try and invest. Even if I'm just buying modest growth, I'd generally like to buy growth. Sometimes I might want to buy cyclical growth and be like, oh yeah, it's a trade and I'll go in and I'll go out. But that doesn't really, that doesn't thesis, doesn't really suit for News Corp to my mind either. Uh, I can't fit it into a growth thesis and it's not cheap enough for me to uh, want to buy it based on a value thesis. So it just, it's an awkward, Point there. There are parts of their business that are quite good and parts of their business that are growing. Um, you know, Dow Jones is a standout, for example, in the most, re in the most recent quarter. Uh, however, uh, the, what it comes down to for me is that the star performers within News Corp is always like, you know, realestate.com.au or their various real estate portal style holdings. And there are other ways to invest in that, such as just buying shares in, in REA Group. And that to me is a much better setup. Yeah, they're both going to have ups and downs because they're impacted by all sorts of things like you know the volumes of uh, house transactions, and of course you know with News Corp, it's the advertising cycle. Advertising gets weak as the economy you know weakens itself. So for that reason, to me, you know the star in the News Corp crown was REA Group, and I would just I would probably sell News Corp and buy REA Group, especially if it's sort of a long-term buy and hold that you're looking for, because you know, yeah, REA Group is, is one of the top businesses in Australia and it has had slightly less uh, beneficial circumstances lately with lower housing volumes. So I don't think now is necessarily the best time ever to buy REA Group, but it's definitely far from the worst time. So I think that, yeah, there's just better stuff out there. Okay, well, Claude is a hold or a sell, preferreds REA Group, what do you think? Uh, yeah, it'd be a sell for me. Um, it looks quite expensive compared to other media um, outlets in Australia. Nine and uh, NEC is trading at only just above double digits, realistically. Uh, they've obviously got Fairfax, etc. cetera. Um, 
and the, and the normal um, you know normal nine entertainment, which is doing quite well. There's eighteen odd uh, revenue sources or something in in that business now, and they've actually kind of probably being a bit smaller, been able to be a bit more agile and 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 change the business model a little bit quicker. Um, and a much better dividend yield. Oh, absolutely, much better dividend yield. So and it and it's just been really downtrodden um, already. So it's a much cheaper option than these guys. Um, I do quite like the interest, find quite interesting that AI um, editorial thing because um, you've got EU lawmakers actually, you know, while we're, you know, frothing away at the uh, AI rally and the FANG stocks, etc., um, the EU is actually looking at making um, all of those companies pay for anything that they use to train their AI models um, and there okay. being a royalties agreement. So that actually may be a step in the right direction. But that said, it's it's years away. So look, I, I don't mind this, but it's, it's way too expensive for me. I'd be um, I'd be switching to something like yeah, NEC if you want something sort of like for like. Um, but overall, it's you know these sorts of companies are massively cyclical, and I think that the interest rate. Um, hikes are going to bite in a really bad way in the back half of this year. So either one of them, you are probably not preferred holdings. We don't really help. We're not really holding anything that consumer discretionary or, or media media communications at the moment, just because they, they're usually the first ones to get hit when an actual recession hits and that because people will pair back on their advertising costs. So yeah, not, not for us. Um, if you must have something in the space, I'll probably go with NAC. Okay. Great. All right, let's move on to our third stock for today, and it's Boral, and it's picked by Les. Now, the boss of Boral recently warned inflation is here to stay for at least 12 months, with the company seeking price hikes from customers to counter those cost pressures. He said Boral will seek to hike earnings by 10% from just under 6%, and this could be achieved without the need to go on an acquisition spree. Uh, let's actually go back to you, Mark. Boral has underperformed for years and has struggled with its share price. Is it a buy, hold, or a sell from you? Um, it's it'd be a hold. Um, there's sort of two scenarios here. Obviously, we need. Obviously, the government's identified the fact that we need um, spending on housing supply. Um, and look, if they do actually come to the party and start increasing that supply, um, you know, I think there'll be a couple of companies um, in our list today that will benefit. Um, Borrow obviously being one of them. Um, you know they've got 73 percent owned by Kerry Stokes um, there has been a rocky ride the the industrials were the um, worst hit uh, sector last year like companies like James Hardy were down 55 percent odd I think Borrell was in that camp as well I, I, in the, they're in the bottom five of the ASX 200 um, performance for the year and I think this rally back out is just is more of a response to the overreaction the market as per usual got a little bit of ahead of ahead of itself these guys are still earning. Um, you know, earning reasonable money. The recession actually hasn't necessarily hit yet. Um, there was an article in the AFR recently. There's, um, there's speculation that you know half of Australia's construction industry is almost trading insolvent. Yeah. So, I would be very wary of being involved in these just at the moment. Uh, particularly um, Borrell being a supplier because they may be hit by really you know nasty surprises from. You know, exi- big existing contracts. Um, so I just, yeah, I I tread carefully um, with them. And um, so you're saying hold, not sell. Uh, I I would probably we look. We prefer James Hardy um, CSR, but look, they've all run pretty pretty hard recently. I think if. Um, you know, if we really start to see the economic numbers go backwards, then you probably sell. Um, if the government comes to the party on trying to increase the housing supply, 
then they probably are a bad opportunity. Um, so there's sort of two arguments there, I suppose. So I'm not, not so much hold, I'm just neutral wait and see uh, rather than anything else because um, you know, they, it would be the sort of company that maybe gets you know, some decent incentives um, you know, in the Australian building industry to get things going. So it, um, yeah, I'm, like I said, neutral. Not, 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 <laughs> I don't I, know if that's I, an I, option. <laughs> I, well, yeah, so it's, I guess it's a hold if you've got it because yeah. um, you obviously have it for a reason, but yeah. I wouldn't be putting you money into it. Yeah, so. Claude, do you agree? I'll go a bit harsher. Okay. Help Mark out there. Yeah. I'd, I'd call it a sell. <laughs> look, if you look at the long-term or even medium-term results, uh, they're, they're, it's a pretty. It's just a pretty poor quality business. Pretty tough business. Uh, net profit before tax, excluding unusual items. You know when it's not negative, it's razor thin margins. So that tells you that it's sort of competitive. No, no, not much of a moat if there is one. Gross profit margins low. Uh, indicate that it can be a business that is going to have a cash flow squeeze because of um, inflation. You know, just even if it's growing because of you know say demand for building and stuff then it still needs to have more sort of inventory and, and spend more money. So it's going to always struggle to like pay out cash mm-hmm. uh, even when things are good. So overall, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a bad quality business. You know, the old Buffett quote comes to mind, you know, when a bad quality business meets good management, it, it tends to be the business that emerges with its uh, reputation intact. So uh, yeah, overall, I just avoid it. You know, maybe there's a trade in there for, for people that are short-term focused, yeah. but I think long-term, you're on hiding to nothing holding it. Definitely a sell. It's much, a sell Much stronger terms than, than neutral over here. Uh, <laughs> That's all right. That's allowed. That's all right. Somebody That's, had to kill it. Right. Somebody had to kill it. And thank you, Claude, for, for actually doing that. Now, let's take a look at our fourth stock. It's 4D Medical, and it's been picked by one of our viewers, Michael, today. Now, they own the XV or 15 technology, a platform that's rapidly changing the scene in the respiratory imaging business and detects diseases like pulmonary embolism. It's not on the market yet, but it is on track for submission to the US FDA sometime this year. Uh, Claude, happy for you to explain that company a bit better. And what are your thoughts, buy, hold or sell? So it's it's interesting tech. It's basically an imager that would allow someone to to breathe so that can see exactly how your lungs function. That replaces, I think, some sort of test where, you know, you'd have to take some sort of chemical that they can pick up and then see how your lungs functioning that way, which is a cruder tool. Um, and not even as good at diagnosing how your lungs are actually functioning. So it's uh, continuous imaging. Now they've been listed, they listed uh, a while ago now, and they, you know, they has a great has a great story. I actually bought shares sort of speculatively for a little bit. The, the, um, the AFR reported, I'm not sure if this is still the case, but the AFR reported that uh, the CEO of ProMedicus, which I do hold shares in, yep. had actually invested in this company. Okay. And so, you know, I'm guessing that he's probably sees some potential for that technology if, if that's happened. But it's super early stage. So effectively no revenue, some sort of tiny, tri- tiny trickles of a revenue. But they reckon people like the US Defence Forces would be like a huge market for them for all these soldiers that have come back for war. And apparently this yeah. at the moment takes days and thousands of dollars to test for. And this would be a really cheap, easy test. Yeah, so- I don't. Like, so it's $291 million market cap and has effectively no revenue. So it's going to need a ton of revenue to justify that market cap. And then, you know, let alone to give upside from there. I'd look at the US Defense Force is often an early uptaker for new technologies. Yep. And that can totally bode well for future uh, 
uptake basically mm -hmm. it can often be that can often be the early uptake i think we've seen that with avita medical as well by the way yeah um you know that can be great validation of the technology and i think that that's the, where the point they're at now is really their technology is beginning to be validated as like yeah it's a real deal it's a thing that people want to move towards but now you've still got the task of using the cash and they've just raised an extra 25 million dollars using the cash that they've got to actually commercialize it roll it out and sufficiently so that they're actually making a profit. Keeping in mind that there's also some tricky points with, you know, are they doing hardware or software? I think they're doing a little bit of both at one point. They're obviously trying to lean more towards, we just want to do the software side of things, mm -hmm. but they've still got a long way to go before they even got substantial revenues to even compare with something like Avita. And even if you compare, look at Avita, you know, look how long it's taken to get from run rating, you know, 5 million, Australian dollars in revenue per year to 60. It takes years for a company to build that up. So these guys are still years away from maybe when they're getting enough uh, revenue to actually turn a profit. So for that reason, I would say it's it's super duper uh, risky. And when I owned it, I talked about it as like the riskiest stock I own. It's okay. almost, I usually don't even punt on stuff like this <laughs> early stage. Mm. It's only just because I'm like quite interested in it. I have you know, lung problems myself. And also I see lung problems as something that's probably quite likely increasing yep. as a result of COVID is obviously one of the effects it has on is on your lungs. So I'd see the demand there. I think the product is uh, vindicated as a real thing, but there's still a difficult road ahead. And so for that reason, look, I, I wouldn't be opposed to calling it a hold for like a tiny, tiny specular position, uh, speculative position, but that's all it can be at this stage until um, it gets bigger. So it's really just, punting money nothing nothing that you would even i wouldn't put more than a you know a fancy lunch or like okay. <laughs> maybe not a fancy lunch a, you know mcdonald's no a short holiday put it that way a weekend Sorry. away that okay. i wouldn't risk more than a weekend away on it you okay. know nothing too serious though. that's something to look at for the future maybe yeah because it's it very likely you know it has just raised capital but i wouldn't be surprised if it raised capital again we're not even at the point where we can start saying all right well here's a path to where it gets to break even maybe like five years what do, what do you reckon i I would like to think in five years, this is something that I would have already bought shares in or it would have got to that point where I can see the revenues and I can see the revenue growth and then I can start estimating when it will be profitable and that's when I'd be more interested to buy shares. Yep. And that still is like the risky section of my portfolio. Okay, okay Mark, but what do you think? Quite like Claude helped me out with Borrell. I'll help him out here. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's way, way too early. Um, there will be a number of, um, you know, cap in hand, uh, capital raises um, over the over the coming years. Not to say that the technology is not fantastic, um, but, you know, there's still, the addressable market's great. The story's really good. They've been really good at selling the story. Um, They've done some commercial scans and, you know, that, that market obviously will be there. Um, I do quite like the fact that, um, you know, the PMA um, Prometicus founder, it's on the advisory board, um, I believe. So, you know, it, there's there's definitely, there's a couple of really great imaging sort of style, imaging companies um, out there at the moment. Um, Valpara Health was one we did on the call last week, um, which I really quite like. Um, and I think it's a little bit further along, um, like a hell of a lot, yeah. I think 30 mil revenue or something in the last year. I'd, I'd be playing more at that end um, than this end. Um, I think you could probably chuck this on your watch list and 
or maybe set up an alert from a news alert um, for it and and just you know go on the holiday instead um, <laughs> yeah yeah and, no, I think and that's probably the right approach. yeah because <laughs> look and but it, yeah there's a difference between great technology and and this is with the trap with biotechs quite often is you kind of what you want them to work because they you know it improves your health so there's a, there's that sort of small emotional attachment you know to oh, this would be great like if they saw but the reality is it's 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 a super hard road. Like I think the average average path to commercialisation is anywhere from ten to fifteen years for most um, for most drug makers. So I think things have, have sped up in recent years. Obviously with the internet, and they probably maybe speed up again with if AI starts to um, make inroads in the space. But it's a, it's a long way away. So yeah, go like I said, Volpara was one that I really quite like, um, and um, and you know and obviously uh, PNV and um, and the first and the stock of the day, I forgot. Um, Avita. Avita, sorry. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah probably more um, more viable options at this stage because okay. they're they're either close to commercial, you know, close to uh, being cash flow positive, or, or they, you know, or they are. So it um, yeah, just leave this on the watch list. Yeah, now. definitely a great story, one to watch, but maybe a few years away yet. Uh, let's take a look at our fifth stock. It's AV Jennings, and it's picked by Rick. Obviously, the recent rate rises are having a significant impact on the property industry. We'll go straight back to you, Mark. Uh, what are your thoughts on Avigenics? Again, sort of similar to the borrow story um, in, in terms of these guys are home builders. So if the government comes to the party on that, these guys are a lot cheaper though. Um, they've got a really strong balance sheet, uh, but by their own admission, and that's why they're trading it around those 12-month lows, um, you know, it's really, they're, um, really tough conditions coming ahead, basically. Um, their sales are down 50%. I think Q3, uh, FY23 sales are down 50% in the previous period previous comparable period um, and they're in, like the last quarter their inquiries have been have been very soft um, but someone's going to have to build you know, build houses so yep. these guys have got um, 14,200 lots under their control and um, and I look if you if you were going to buy in you know we're, if you were going to buy into you know residential home builder like I said they've got a strong strong balance sheet um, and they've got all of the the massive land bank um, these guys would probably be one of my picks but um, but at the moment I it's probably I'd like to see how higher interest rates plays out and it's usually about a 12 to 18 month lag we're still hiking rates we only started about 12 13 months ago so um, realistically I it wouldn't be something I'd, I'd generally consider um, until the back half of the year, um, but I was ple- I was pleasantly surprised going having a look through, um, and the the trading update was blunt. So I quite like <laughs> I, I quite like the fact that management were just upfront. Yeah. Like you, there's no point sugarcoating it necessarily. But that that land bank is you know fourteen thousand homes. I mean to be able for the government to be able to go to one particular um, person and you know roll, that's you know that's good press. Yes. So that'd be it'd be that'd be I'd be erring on the side of you know them doing something you know that gets them really nice headlines in the paper and partnering with someone like this who has a big land bank um, so it's a hold for the moment it's a hold for now um i would be yeah i'd i'd be looking at it yeah as i said towards the end of the year but if we started to see you know um those sales numbers or those sales inquiries um tick up a little bit i'd be i'd be pretty quick to jump in i think okay claude what do you think Are you agree 
Uh, not not really. I'm probably a little bit more negative on them. So I agree. With, I think it's a pain trade. It's going to be a real pain trade. Um, and I think that your this is your classic, uh, I guess, Benjamin Graham style investing. Not, not that we've seen tons of that these days. Um, but basically, you know, the main argument that I could make for buying this is that, you know, the price to book ratio is so low that, it, it, you know, it's land banks worth more, it's net tangible assets are worth more than its share price. So if you can somehow, you know, realize that net tangible asset, then you got upside there. Having said that, there's, there's not much else I can, I can say um, in, in favor of this one. You know, the, the main, uh, I think the chairman who owns, who's like the largest shareholder as I understand it, you know, when I was reading the transcript before the show of, you know, their most recent meeting and there was some question about, you know, what's the deal? Like the share price is so low compared to the book value. And they basically like said, you know, well, this is about electing the directors. So they're not, we're not going to talk more about that. We'll talk about that later. And it just, that's not going to be the attitude that's going to close that discount to um, book value. Now, one way to close it eventually is to just keep buying shares and buying shares and buying shares forever in a day. And that could work. Uh, but yeah, I'm just not convinced that it, it'll get there. So I guess the problem is, is like, I agree that it's probably undervalued yeah. in, the, in the scheme of things, but I just don't see the catalyst of how as an investor, you necessarily get that money back. And that's why I call it a pain trade because you're just going to, the only way to play it would be to just buy and then just probably forget about it. But even then, you could be 10 years down the track. You've never, it's, still, it's still trading at a massive discount to book value. What if it never closes? That's the issue. So for me, I'd probably, I'd like to see, uh, you know, look, it's okay. I think it's probably undervalued. I think there's a lot of land banker developers that are probably undervalued at the moment because there's a lot of fear in how this is going to work out. It's a tough spot for builders. You know, the, the cost of actually developing their land's going up. And the economic outlook's looking weaker. People have less they can borrow from the bank to do all that sort of stuff. So yeah, they're all they're all kind of cheap. I you know my personal one, if I was going to get into the spot, would be um, one called Finbar, which is a Western Australia developer. And the, quite simply, the, th- the reason I like about that is the directors are just constantly buying shares on market with their own money. Um, and that to me is like, oh, well, that probably is a, is a good sign. But these guys are buying back shares, so I can't really kill it. But yeah. I'm just not enthusiastic. So like Too a painful. Hold? From, yeah, I get, I mean, yeah, I suppose a hold, okay. but like, do you really want to, like, I, I'd say, yeah, it's, I'd say a hold and then sell on any kind of close. If you get a good run and you, you find yourself up 30, 40, 50% on this, I'd probably get out because I, I don't think it's going to be a massive, it's not going to be a compounder. I think most people who want to do a long-term hold, they're looking to find that company that like supply network, you know, if you... If you don't hold that for 10 years, you're doing so well out of both dividends and capital appreciation because it's a compounder. Whereas this, you'd be trying to look at for more like a one-time uplift that closes the discount a little bit. All right. Well, that was our top five stocks plus our stock of the day. Why don't we take a quick summary of those five stocks? We, of course, had Supply Network, News Corp, Ball, 40 Medical and AB Jennings. And our stock of the day was Avita Medical. Claude said FDA approval will allow growth runway. It's a little bit risky, a bit early for a buy. But if you want to be a little bit aggressive, go for it. A speculative buy for the long term. Mark also said quite volatile, a buy on a dip. Likes Polo Novo as well. Uh, If we look at Supply Network, Claude, 
likes this company. They're on a category lead, very positive about it, likes the management, the price, definitely a buy, maybe wants it a little bit cheaper. Mark says they've chipped away, open a new distribution center, everything's going the right direction, definitely a hold maybe on the side of buying around the $13 mark. Uh, if we move on to News Corporation, a hold or a sell, uh, sell News Corp and buy REA Group. That's what Claude's recommendation was. While Mark said it's a sell, it looks quite expensive, likes NEC better. Interest rates are going to bite in the back of the year. Uh, if we go on to borrow, Claude says sell, poor quality business. I could go on, but that's the basic summary. <laughs> Mark was a hold or neutral, wait and see. You really wouldn't make a decision there. Maybe look at a sell, prefers James Hardy. Might be hit by nasty surprises from existing contracts. So definitely neutral. We're holding neutral on that one. 4D Medical, Claude said, super risky, hold for maybe a tiny speculative position, but a long time before it will get any revenue. While Mark said it's a hold, put it on your watch list. It's way too early, though it's a great story. There's a few great imaging stories that are much further along. And AV Jennings, Mark said, hold for now, look towards the end of the year. Sales are down 50%, very tough environment with high interest rates. Claude said, hold reluctantly, maybe a sell. I might change it just to sell. The other thing okay. I forgot to mention was if you look at the product reviews of the houses these guys have been putting out in the last few years, it, yeah. didn't, it didn't fill me with confidence. Okay, <laughs> last minute change from yeah. from Claude to a sell. Well, you called it a pain trade to buy and forget about it, but maybe we just scrap yeah, that and I think call it just, a sell. It's just a sell. You can find other pain trades that will be more rewarding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last minute, a last minute scratching there for AG Jennings. All right, and the call is tracking our own high conviction fund, which is picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of the committee meeting is live for you to watch at osbits.com. So let's check in with the portfolio update. Going into June, South 32 was replaced by Altium. Woodside Energy was removed. Its weighting of 3% was split between CSL, Linus and West Farmers. Elders was removed. Its weighting was split between the newly added Avita Medical, which of course we've talked about today, and RPM Global Holdings. Let's see how the portfolio is performing. And so far our fund is 8.57% on a cumulative return basis since inception on March the 1st, 2022. So keep sending in your requests and keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. All right, time now to look at our next five stocks. We're going to take a look at Capital Health, Laser Bond, Pointera, Arafura Rare Earths and WA1 Resources. Let's get straight into it. And Capital Health is our sixth stock picked by our viewer Glenn today. Now, Capital Health is a network of medical-based imaging practices. I feel like we've talked a lot about some of these today. Uh, let's go straight to Mark. What are your thoughts on Capital Health? Would you buy, hold or sell? Um, I like, I sort of went, it'd be fairly vague in terms of the operation of the business. Um, their top shareholders are, you know, Solpats, Wilson Asset Management, Paradise Investment, like they're all super top quality fund managers. That gives me extraordinary confidence overall. Um, but it, look, they've, they've had a recent sort of, um, sort of poor update, I suppose. Um, but it's not really something I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not massive in this space. I've got. I prefer to be in, um, you know, in, in larger size businesses in the healthcare sector or or a biotech that's going to be that's you know returning profit. It, um, but look, it, it, there is certainly very good, um, you know, the very good elements of it. Um, but it's sort of not for me. Um, I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't sell it down here. If you've got it, hold it. Um, but it's not. Um, it's not really a company we would generally look into. But the the um, 
I think Andrew Demetrio. Did you say if you've got it, hold it? If you've got it, hold it, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, it's just not something we're necessarily considering at the moment. Um, we're probably more at the helios end of the scales, mm-hmm. and, um, just for the you know for the foreseeable future. Or Ramsey, you know, some of those bigger operators. Um, but management team Andrew Demetrio, who used to run the AFL. Yeah, um, so that's it's, a recognisable name. Yeah, it's very. Um, <laughs> Yeah, bit, like, very, very solid ownership. Uh, obviously, they see something in it, so I'm not going to. I'm definitely not going to go against it. But it just wouldn't. It's just not something we'd be adding to the portfolios at the moment. Uh, Claude, what do you think? Yeah, I'll come in more. I'll come in more positively than that. Although I, I can definitely see why you would avoid it. You know, I'm sure some of those, uh, some of the fundies, there are other smaller fund managers that I also admire that are in this one. Mm. Um, and I agree with that sort of analysis. You would have thought from the shareholders that it, you know, it would have performed a little better. I think some. I think partly that's probably just a symptom of the fact it has had to raise capital quite a few times over the years, and and some of the some of those guys for sure would have got in in quite favourable terms, um, because it has been a bit of a turnaround. And you know, even to this day, it's still it's you know, if you look at it, it's got a, a loss of I don't know, fifteen million in the last half or something due to I think it was maybe nineteen million of sort of um, basically paper changes to value of the fair value of their investments. I think it was a company called Antilic or I can't remember all the details, but it's got a bit of write down. They've got a bit of, we made bad investments and it really has got a bad track record, definitely bad track record compared to integral diagnostics and also Sonic Healthcare, although, you know, Sonic is doing pathology as well. But the point is that uh, it's just, it's track record of execution has been terrible compared to some of its competitors. But the results of that is that it just looks a lot cheaper. To me, doing the numbers, it looks cheaper than its competitors. So I think that you can, you know, and it's smaller, which means in this sort of roll-up space, it still can just grow by um, acquiring things. It has, I think, net debt of about 50 million off the top of my head, I wish I had in my notes here, uh, 54 million I do actually. And so essentially, you know, it's got free cash flow. It had free 8.1 million free cash flow in the last half. It can service that debt. It's not. I'm not worried about the debt right now. They just need to deliver a bit of a smooth earnings growth. And I could definitely see this come up uh, a, a little bit. Um, just when it stops having write downs and stuff that are ruining its that are ruining its earnings. It has like you know two years of just genuine statutory profit earnings per share. And then if it grows in that two years, it's going to be like well, it's got a PE ratio now. And, and it's growing. Yeah. So it's going to, I think, could start to look more obviously cheap. Whereas right now you have to sort of have faith that there's not going to be another write down or, or whatever it is the next time. So I'm actually coming, I see the value in this one. You know, it's different from what we we're talking about before in terms of being software or this, that and the other. It's just, you know, it's physical clinics. They have gone through in the last three years, they've closed smaller, unprofitable or less profitable clinics and they've opened up nine larger clinics. Uh, they say they've fit for service cost base. I wasn't exactly sure what that means listening to the earnings conference call. <laughs> I think it means that they can maybe upsize it and downsize it more easily or, or something like that. Um, but, you know, the impression they gave on the call was that, you know, we, we think our we pay a very competitive uh, salaries, so they're not going to have to increase that too much or at least not sort of beyond inflation or whatever, uh, one would hope, because, of course, with 77% of their money coming from Medicare, you know, the government kind of controls their wet revenue growth to a degree. Final point being is that uh, they have had a obviously topsy-turvy time with COVID. On top of that, GPs are struggling to get people through, and I don't know if that's going to improve in the, in the near term, but you could argue that there's sort of... a a degree of sort of built up being built up health needs yeah. that are happening because of that and I'm not 
counting on that, but if that eases, uh, we might see more volumes through with medical Im imaging generally, which I see as a tailwind generally, you know, um, the post-war generation are getting older yes. now and the rate at which they're going to need diagnostic services is only going to increase as they get, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s. So for all of those reasons, I'm actually give it, I'll give it a speculative buy. It's 27 and a half cents. You just wrote it off almost and you need a speculative <laughs> no, it's buy. Just, I think it's cheap enough. Okay. I, look, I think it's the execution that worries me. Yep. Um, which is why I'm saying speculative buy okay. rather than a buy. If these guys had a great track, <laughs> track record of execution and didn't have write downs all the time, okay. and they're trading, you know, at EV to free cash flow of around 21 times based on the free cash flow in the first half or a little higher even, I think I'd see the value. But look, that's that's it for me. Like yeah, it's a speculative buy. It's a little bit more of a value play. Okay. I don't own it myself just because I have other things that I like better that okay. I'm buying instead. And so I don't have. I want to keep my cash for my very best ideas. Yep. But if I have to choose between buy, hold, sell, I'll, I'll give it a speculative buy. Excellent. There you go. Exciting times today. <laughs> Let's go to our seventh stock, which is Laserbond, uh, picked by our viewer Gertie. Now, Laserbond makes thermal spray coatings to make surfaces more resistant to corrosion. Those who invested in Laserbond, interestingly, five years ago, are up around 500%. Claude, what would your advice be now, buy, hold, or sell? So I don't own this one and the chart's looking pretty weak, but I've actually, I bought this one years ago. I didn't make 500% out of it. Oh. But I think I sold it at like 50 cents or something like that. And I can't remember the details now, but you know, this one I've followed for few, for years because it's just your classic. Um, it has so many, ticks so many boxes that I look for. So uh, when I bought it a few years ago, both the, the founders, brothers uh, were both running it since then. You would argue that probably the, the technological founder, he has, like from memory, sold some shares and, and left the company. So he's, his go. brother is still- 572%. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So somewhere along the line, uh, one of the brothers that founded it uh, basically has got out. And the what we've seen is actually a lot of that run came from the fact that they started their technology sales decisions. So these guys, Laserbond, they make their money in, in three ways. One is you're going to have um, a mining company or whoever it is, they've got drill bits or moving parts that get worn down. They can send them to Laserbond in order for Laserbond to laser, do laser cladding on them, or there's another process they do as well, um, uh, ba basically coating it or laser hardening edges to or both to basically repair these parts to uh, give them longer life. And they also have the services of just doing this laser, uh, this laser treatment in order to make these parts harder and last longer. Mm -hmm. So that's the sort of selling point. They also have a products division, which is like, you know, we've got your steel rollers, but we've done our special laser treatment on them. So just buy the whole product from us and it's gonna last longer than our competitors. Both of those segments uh, have been solidly growing. Like I just, you know, I got out my old spreadsheet for these ones. And even in the last, um, the last couple of halves, both segments and prog profits have been going strongly. The problem is that the licensing revenue, which is their third one, and you know that first started the run when they did their first big sort of two million in licensing sales. They're just licensing their technology, so it's much higher revenue for them. Uh, sorry, much higher higher margins for them. So they got their first two million revenue. I think it was in the second half of FY twenty nineteen, and that sort of start kicking up the share price. But then nothing really for years. And for ages now, they've been talking about, oh, we've got these technology sales, we've got these technology sales, and like, but they haven't got the revenue yet because they haven't been able to actually supply all the equipment they need to do the licensing of the technology. Now, these has undeniably been late. And when I see that share price coming down and there's no like confirmation that they've actually received the money that they're supposed to receive in the second half that we're in right now, yep. 
I think it was 3 million they're expecting. I wonder, I worry, has there been yet another delay? So that's the worry I'd have in the short term. But the other thing is like, if that comes through, I think this thing's gonna start looking quite cheap on the numbers. Um, and I'm, you know, it's, it's scary because it feels a little bit binary and I don't own shares myself. I definitely don't like the look of that chart with it dropping off. Um, but like, just because I'm scared that these technology sales won't come through. But even if these technology sales don't come through, as long as they're not canceled, then I think I believe them that it will happen eventually. Yeah. And so in that case, probably in the long term, it doesn't make too much difference whether they get 3 million now or the next half. It's just the market's losing faith because it's been delayed so many times. So all in all, I actually lean towards buy with these because okay. they've come down. They're not so expensive. It's mid-teens PE ratio. The two more, the two segments that are the main part of the business, I would argue, can more or less come close to supporting the current share price. So you're getting this, the technology sales division, which is admittedly very unreliable, but you're getting that for free. So that's my thesis for it. I don't own shares myself, but it's it's one that's on the top of my watch list. So I've got to be honest with about it, even though I probably, I should probably Wish I didn't have to talk about it, but like, uh, yeah, Mark, I like are you nodding it. your head or shaking your head on this one? No, I'm, I'm happy to buy this. Um, Claude's covered it pretty well. Um, one thing I do quite like, the, the, the licensing thing is is smart fiscally. They're, you can tell that it's run by a founder because they're not going out there and trying to be, you know, trying to be greedy. They're basically just, they're, they're rolling it out internationally via a licensing agreement, which doesn't really cost them a hell of a lot. Um, and I and I do definitely like that um, leading into um, you know uh, leading into recessionary environment potentially um, and uh, same as um, supply network like I think more and more of these mining companies will will use this technology to to harden the buckets for equipment I mean it's you know you you get a um, I grew up on a farm like tractors like mm -hmm. the buckets one of the most expensive parts like if you've got to replace those it's it's a really large chunk of the capex expenditure if you can make it last anywhere from three to ten times longer it's huge so I can't imagine what the savings would be for a mining company so um, I re I'd, I'd be very happy to buy this um, buy the dip here and because I do I, I agree I think the um, you're getting it at, you're getting it at the fair value of everything excluding the, te the, the license rollout so okay. the license rollout goes well I then they're saying that they seventy uh, sorry 60, rev 60 mil revenue target in two years time. Well, it was thirty million last year. So um, so yeah, I'm I'm very happy to buy that. All right, great. Let's move on. Uh, our eighth stock is Pointera, and it's picked by one of our viewers, Ross. Pointera is involved in the development and commercialisation of its 3D geospatial data technology. So basically, you can create a virtual representation of an asset that uses simulation, machine learning, and reasoning to help decision making. Quite complex, but uh, very new age. Mark, what are your thoughts on Pointera? Uh, I think Claude will probably have more insight into this than I will. Um, I loved the website and I loved the presentations, etc. Not so much the company. So um, it's it's um, one to watch for me. But um, you know the revenues are going well, but poor cash flows. So it's just not really something we're considering. Like we're we're, we're tightening. Well, we've tightened back um, on how many small caps we're having. We have in our model portfolios anyway. Um, technology particularly we're going for much higher quality so sort of it, it fails to of our current filters particularly mm -hmm. so um, but yeah super cool product I've, I've yeah. really enjoyed I sort of went down the rabbit hole looking so at the I. products, <laughs> products like, more than are, anything else what are actually doing and it's, yeah, yeah like, but um, yeah if you took that aside yeah. it, no, it's an avoid uh, Claude what do you reckon 
Uh, it's one I've owned in the past. I quite like, like the, re the reason I like it, I'll call it a hold. The reason that I quite like it is because you're seeing a lot of these loss making tech companies get quite low. You're sometimes seeing takeovers come through for a few of them now in HR, We had like a Limeade or whatever it's called um, today. And so I think there's possibility that this is actually, it's trading too low now. It has value to somebody. I think that, yeah, I quite like it for that reason. The reason I don't like it is what I'd probably call the ick factor. Mm -hmm. You know, I've never found their um, ACV annual contract value number particularly useful. I think it looks too far into the future. It doesn't, the cash flows don't match up with what I, you know, when they're saying this ACV, it doesn't really tell you when that's going to come through. So I don't find it a useful number. I find it too promotional. And I think that contributed to the, I don't know if we can get the chart up, but you know, the five year chart's insane. It's like four cents to 80 cents. Now it's back down to nine cents. And that, that's the ick factor for me is okay. driving that kind of bubble in your own stock. Um, that makes me feel not comfortable so investing with with the with the team but having said that, i call it a hole i think it's probably come down too low now okay we'll move, we'll move on because we're almost out of time let's rock it through these next uh, last two stocks <laughs> our ninth stock is arafura rare earths picked by lyra it's an australian mineral exploration company focusing on rare earth elements headquartered in perth now shares recently crashed 40 percent in three months mark does this make it a massive buying opportunity? Uh, potentially, yes. So um, I've covered um, many of these mining explorers um, for the viewer. Just go and have a go and Google Lasson Curve. So um, Canadian and mining specialist. Um, basically, this this sits where you obviously get the as you can see there on the chart. There's the uplift when they when they discover the um, the minerals. You get all the price uplift, and then essentially the reality of the situation where you've got to go and construct the mine, do cap raises, etc. Is what's called say the orphan phase, where where you probably see on that chart there from March onwards. So. I'd be probably, look, it's, they're looking to start producing in early 2025. Rare earths outside of China and Myanmar are very rare. Um, so, look, you want it. Um, I think it is definitely, it's needed in um, EV space, the batteries, etc. Um, for, um, you know, for the heavy magnets. And look, it's got to the point where Tesla's actually even, you know, looking at not, not having the um, heavy magnets in the batteries because they're so worried about their supply chain um, from China because they control 90% or 100% of the processing, 90, anywhere up to 90% of the actual rare earths coming out of the ground. So, so it's a, a buy? I, it, look, it's a speculative buy, but I think you, 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 it's the pain trade, essentially. I, I think you're probably right. sitting on it for about another 12 months before it starts to get an uplift. Claude, just quickly buy, hold I'll channel Charlie Munger. I've got nothing further to add on that one. It's a sell for me. It's a sell. Or a pain trade there if you want. <laughs> I love this term, pain trade, done. All right, let's move on to our last stock of the day. We are almost out of time. It's WA1 Resources, picked by Karen. They have three exploration projects within Western Australia. The share price took off this week after a new find at its West Urunta project mark. This mining stock has been on a roll. Is it a buy, hold or a sell? Referring back to that Lasson curve, I think this is an opportunity to sell the um, the euphoria around the discovery, and you and essentially what will happen is if you go back to the rare earths, it will head into that orphan phase over the next. So I would take some money off the table here. Um, it's like 43 times since October 2022, eight months. So. Look, if I'd be taking some or all of your money off the table at this yep. stage, because I think you'll probably get it 
once they start to go through the cycle of talking about expenditures for uh, constructing mines, etc. Um, but the niobium is great, essential where um, essential minerals great, but like three years away. So yeah, I'd be selling it. I'd be selling it now, and because um, I don't think they even um, the maiden resource won't even be announced until later in the year. So maybe sell half, half, and, and see if you can hang on to the other half. What do you think, Claude? Yeah, I think it's like a, it's a it's a good story, but it's a bubble stock now. It's a speculative thing. So only for the traders. I'm sure that people fundamentally are already taking profits. But if you're in a trader, like look at that. That's a rocket chart. You don't know when it's going to end. So you can either take some profits on the way up or you just wait till it starts going back down and then it's just a sociological phenomenon you've got FOMO coming in at the moment pushing it up then you're going to have fear you know dropping it really fast at some point so yeah definitely finger on the sell button but trailing uh, stop yeah exactly all right we've got a couple of minutes just to quickly recap uh we're going to look at the capital health claude said speculative buy bad track record of execution compared to its competitors it looks cheaper though mark not for him if you've got it hold it prefers the bigger companies laser bond claude said buy not so expensive it ticks a lot of boxes mark also said buy so in agreement about laser bond pointera hold from claude a hold from mark one to watch um arafura rare earths claude said a sell or a pain trade marks it a speculative buy and then last but not least we have wa1 resources claude said a sell it's a bubble stock and marks said maybe sell half and keep the other half it has been a wonderful call today a big thank you to claude walker from a rich life and mark gardner from macro capital we really appreciate your expert opinions i feel like we could have done two hours today but <laughs> there you go and that is our show for today any stocks you'd like us to cover go to osbiz.co forward slash call picks or tweet us at Ausbiz TV. I'm Amber Sherlock. See you next time. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.